1: <laughs> it's week 28 of the golfing calendar. And today, well, we're in a library. Not just any library, though, a very special library, no less. We're surrounded by books, by lots of golf history, and some very comfortable chairs at the famous Kingston Heath in Melbourne. Now, the hosts of Talk Birdie to me, Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen.
0: Well, different setup this week. We are in the library of the Kingston Heath Golf Club the host of the 2028 President's Cup and it's great to be here. We're going to be speaking with Andrew Taylor, the manager, the general manager here at Kingston Heath a little later in the program, probably in the back nine uh, and I tell you what, I know the Australian Golf Centre is good but I'm pretty cosy comf-
2: here. <laughs> what a great room. I mean every every golf club should have a room like this and probably yeah. most clubs do where they've got all the boards up of the history of the club, the former captains, yeah. presidents, champions but trophies everywhere and... You feel like you could just sort of maybe, I don't know, have a little beverage and what sit a, back and take what, a
0: look? What about the stuffed rosellas and the cocky up there? Pretty uh, standard around <laughs> these parts of the world. I was
1: trying to think. Are you reckon <laughs> they're real or they're actually taxi doomed? Or are they? No, no, I think they're taxi doomed. I think they are, actually. I think they're fair <laughs> Yeah, it it is. Is. More importantly, is your book over uh, there, Nick? Probably not. No. No. Another bookcase.
0: <laughs> Another
2: bookcase I can slip one into. <laughs> Might have to do that later.
0: I don't care that we've just seen the tournament with the biggest purse or that Alison Corpus has just won the biggest check in professional women's golf. I don't care about that stuff. I think the fact that the biggest women's tournament on the planet mm. has finally found – its way to Pebble Beach and other golf courses like it has been the biggest win of the week.
2: Totally agree with you there, Mark. It was so good waking up to to see the players going around the... What, was it, what is it? The Monterey Peninsula yep. there in near Carmel, one of the most expensive towns in the world. Just yep. a fascinating place. $40 but, million uh, will get you home. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, might might get you a area. little shack in that <laughs> area. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, and what a US Women's Open it was. Uh, the Aussies, I mean, Minji Lee was up there for a little while but sort of faded down the yeah. stretch. But Alison Corpus, she put on a clinic. And I must say, she's one of those players – Looks very ungamely. Yep. Is that the right word for it? Well, she's not going to be
0: mentioned. Is the best swing that I've ever seen. Like we <laughs> seem to do it every you know single she week. <laughs> she's, she, she, she won't get that title.
2: I mean, this as a compliment. She looks like a, a grinder on a yep. mini tour circuit that has just knows how to score and knows how to get the most out of a game. And mm. then I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. It's not the the Nelly Quarter swing or the Rose Zhang or the yeah. Minji Lee yeah. type uh, type looking player. But I tell you what. The, the display she put on from Tita Green uh, in the final round was – it was a ball-striking yeah. clinic. It really was. Yeah,
0: I saw a little package of the highlights of just her – and I watched as much as I could too mm. during the week. It was great viewing. But the package afterwards just displaying the irons and uh, the ball control, the spin control, uh, and then when she did miss a green, she was making pars reasonably mm. simply. That was there. The, there wasn't much of a stretch. I reckon she had a twelve footer on about the twelfth for a par uh, that she made. I mean, it was a big left to right downhill oh, the curler. Par three, yeah, yeah it was straight too. in the hole. Mm. So she, that was the only bit of trouble that I felt like she was in, and just just
2: cruised through. Yeah, that was kind of the turning point almost because I think her and uh, Nasa Hatayoka, the Japanese player mm-hmm. who were playing in the last group, they were level through nine, but Corpus birdied ten and then twelve. Corpus made that putt for par and Hatoka missed uh, yeah. about a four or five footer for par and yeah. then all of a sudden three shot lead it opened up and away she went how
0: about NASA's round uh, oh. uh, on the Saturday oh. the 66 in the wind it was nine shots below the average mm. score of the day was it four better than the next best score maybe by a
2: mile I don't know what it was but it's it was one of the
0: best rounds of women's yeah. golf in majors
2: that chip in that on they've the back ever seen chip in on the back of 16 yeah, ridiculous yes <laughs> was ridiculous wasn't it, was. it it was ridiculous yeah it was just incredible But and uh, there was a. A really great round again by Charlie Hull, the Englishwoman. Yeah. And the, did you see the shot on eighteen? Yeah. From under the tree. From under the tree. I saw her
0: go. Full lunatic on the on the tee. <laughs> tee, yeah. I want to talk about the length of that hole. I, I agree with Brendel Chamblee. It was too yeah. long all week. Mm. They should have made it an opportunity to go at it in two for more of the field. But that's a different yeah. story. Did
2: anyone go at it in two? No one As reached in, it.
0: Get on in two. No one reached it on the last day.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I never saw any over the first few days. Uh,
0: you, you kind of they missed something there. Mm. You know, when when the men play it. It's a beautiful risk-reward hole and yep. that's kind of what you're hoping for on the 72nd. Yep. You want someone to be there tied for the lead and pull out the three-wood Yeah, and they know they've got to stretch themselves a little bit with all that water down the left. That's the sort of – they're the sort of mm. shots you want to see. But they didn't have that opportunity. But,
2: well, they didn't. Yeah, well, I, th- I think Charlie Hull comes out with almost the comment of the year Go as on. she's under that tree. She's going over it with her caddy. I don't know how far she had. It something like 240, 50 yeah. yards. And she comes out with the comment, uh, shy kids don't get the sweets, yeah. meaning <laughs> I have to go for this because I've got to make eagle. Her caddy was thinking about laying up, basically, and she's like, no, 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 I'm why? going for this, I need to make an eagle here. And she hit a great shot, but just turned too much, went in the bunker, didn't, didn't make birdie in the end, but she wouldn't have uh, won anyway, even yeah. if she had a made eagle. You know what I found,
0: very strange, uh, just at the start of the week, and this is I'm talking through my pocket here, by the way. Mm. Minji Lee, the defending champion, Mm. she's the top five player in the world still at the moment. She's up there, top ten. Yeah, definitely top ten. Right, Top ten. She was paying $29 at the start of the week. Was she really? She's like 20th in line.
2: I think you got on that, didn't you? No. You know what I got on?
0: I got on the seven bucks to finish top ten.
2: Which what? I thought it was a certainty. Ooh. The place bet oh, was top 10. So her sit last round, 75, yeah, she 13th. Oh, no. Of course, so I lost my money. Oh, you know, that,
0: that's the way it goes. But hey, that's
2: what happens, but that's even, sure. like,
0: every once in a while you'll mm. see something like that, and yeah. it's a head-scratcher. I just don't think they really understand the game. Yeah. Maybe
2: they do. Maybe they do. Well, maybe they Well, do. it wasn't a top 10 and she didn't win, so maybe they money. do. You I lost your money. money. But maybe the other thing, uh, Michelle Wee West, retired, uh, I don't know if you saw her playing with Annika Sorensen the first two days. Yes, I did. So she retired on the Friday because she with missed the cut. With a birdie, yeah. Annika yeah. Sorensen, do you see her arguing about, yeah. about the drop where the ball went in on 18? She hoiked it left and we're thinking, you're 7'10 over. You're going to miss Doesn't the cut matter. by a mile. Just, just re-tee it and hit another one. Hit but another one. Anyway, it Have is a nice it is. walk all the way down Exactly. There. So uh, anyway, it's great to see those two, well, legends of the female legends. game. Uh, do so well on the Aussie front. Uh, Minji Lee, as you said, tied for 13th. Uh, Hannah Green shot a nice 69 final round. What did Grace do in the last round? 71. That's so all good. three of those finished tied 13th. Gabby Kim. Ruffles, what a great uh, – yeah. she shot 78 first round, came back with a 70 to make the cut, uh, fell away on the final round, 77. Mm. But, again, she's playing Epsom Tour and she's killing it out on the main tour. So I woke up on Monday morning mm. – and there's a little bit of a wait for the
0: U.S. Open, but uh, I love. Men, ca-
2: I tell you, let me just say this: yeah, I yeah. love West Coast majors, West Coast yeah, tournaments, yeah. because here yeah, in Australia we can just you got them all day, just, <laughs> them all day. Know, <laughs> ten a.m., eleven a.m. Beautiful, <laughs> i are still watching the back nine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh,
0: flicked on the Travelers to see what was going on.
2: Oh, on the uh, John Deere.
0: Yeah, the yeah. John Deere. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Flicked on the John Deere to see what's going on. Uh, first second, it's on. Yep. They show Seb Struckers. Mm-hmm. Card and it was 59 watch. Oh,
2: yeah. He can't, he's coming, he's on the 17th hole. Well, he's 11 under through 14, by the way, yep. and past 71 yep. golf course.
0: Four booties in a row to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Gets to 17. Commentators say, well, he's bootied this hole seven times in a row. <laughs> and he rips a drive.
2: Commentators it, curse. Yeah,
0: he rips a drive down the right hand side, not on the fairway, but in that beautiful first cut where you, yeah, you're hitting an iron. Um, didn't quite find the gate at the front of the green, ended up in the mm-hmm. trap. Doesn't get up and down.
2: Not a difficult bunker shot, that either. Doesn't get
0: up and down. Mm. Uh, At that stage, if he got up and down, he would have had a four or five shot lead and the tournament is over. Mm -hmm. Anyway, doesn't get up and down. Three wood off the next hole pulls it into the water,
2: Try. I don't know. <laughs> it's not hard to do on that hole.
0: Anyway, he made a six, so 59, yeah. watch went down the tubes. But I thought he was going to get rolled too. I thought Todd was going to come from the clouds, but he ended up making the bogey.
2: Yeah. And Seb Strucker ends up winning his second he, tournament. Yeah, shot 62 with a double on the last. Just incredible, wasn't it? But, so uh,
0: how it, How many people, There's a good. I didn't realise it, how many people
2: have shot 59 or better, Mm-hmm. On the US tour, is a pop quiz. Well, I can tell you now. Let me let me say. So I think two people have done it at the John De- at the John Deere yeah. tournament. I yeah. think one of them was. I know one of them was. Uh, F- this could be where Furick shot fifty-eight. Yeah, I think, I think is, he yeah. had fifty-eight, and yeah. I think Paul Gordos was the other mm. fifty-nine. Right up. Now so, how many overall? That's a, well, I know Stuart Appleby, there's another one. There's another. Uh, See, Al Geiberger. Al, big Al. David Duval, Duval. shot fifty nine.
0: Yep. Uh where was that in um California Ooh, uh, just Palm Springs other, Palm yep. Springs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and he did that to win. That's probably yes. uh, to me that's the best fifty nine yeah. ever.
2: And Stewie as well.
0: Stewie did it to win yeah. as well. But uh he what, I think did he make Birdie on the last yeah. or on the last? No, he birdied
2: the last. Birdied the last three. Um a yes,
0: mm. but I think Duval. Oh, Duval I yes, think yes. Duval still gets it. because he made eagle. It was mm. a 13 under par eagle. The last to win the tournament. Yep. So I think it's. A, anyway, I'll go back to my pop quiz question. Okay. How many people have now broken 60 on the PGA Ooh. Tour? Because I couldn't believe it when they were talking about.
2: Okay. This one. PGA Tour. Just the PGA Tour. Not not Just the PGA Tour. I'm going to go with. Oh, I can remember five. I'm going to go with seven. Twelve. What? Twelve.
0: I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> Seriously. I couldn't believe it.
2: <laughs> I,
0: it feels like it was only six or seven years ago. Yeah.
2: Where there was five and I knew them. I knew them all. Okay. I know there's been some, a few on the Corn Ferry Tour and things like that. Twelve. Twelve. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's not even an event anymore. Gosh.
0: It's not that big a deal.
2: But Furix still has the lowest of 58. 58. Yeah. Is there right. only one 58 or are there two 58s I now? I think there's only one. That's on the PGA Tour. I think yeah. on the Corn Ferry there might have been a 58 or and something.
0: And he had a makeable pal in the last. He should have a 57, Fury.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, very disappointed with that, I'm sure. Uh, so Anyway, that was Seb Stryker. You mentioned Brendan Todd. He had a great chance coming down the yeah. stretch. So The other guy, Alex Smalley, he had a really yeah. good chance as well, didn't? Ludwig, your mate. Yeah, Ludwig, 63. Nice 63, tied fourth. Is he Ryder Cup? Do you think do yes. you think uh, Donald's picking him? Yeah, they were talking mm. about that. Oh, okay. For good. a brief
0: time mm-hmm. when I was watching... Uh, and, yes, they are From your alumni. Having, having a really good look at Ludwig. Yeah, i tell you what, He doesn't I, do anything wrong,
2: Ludwig. I, I saw a social media video of him during the week and he was talking about his swing and going through his bag and I what just thought – like? It might be one of the greatest swings I've ever seen, Mark. Really? <laughs> it's on the list. <laughs> to, to, to quote you, uh, he's pretty tall, strapping, solid lad, and the ball disappears pretty promptly, that's yeah. for sure. But uh, looks, nothing really can go wrong with that goal swing. It's just more a matter of does he hold putts. Yeah. I mean, simple as that.
0: Now, I want to ask you a question because you mm-hmm. were out there and you played on the PGA Tour for how many years? How many years were
2: you Oh, the PGA Tour. I yeah. think I was eight or nine years. Right.
0: So you probably don't care about this, but I'm always fascinated. Okay. I love the what's in the bag. Okay. You're talking yeah. about.
2: All right. I really sometimes it'll flick yeah, yeah, up on social
0: me, so. media, <laughs> and I'll click on it. I don't care what clubs or what brand of clubs they use. Yep. But I'm really always very interested to see mm. what these guys are using. Okay. There's one thing I wish. I'm, I'm would, interested
2: when it's ping or if it's Titleist. Uh, say. Uh, so. uh, you go.
0: <laughs> so uh, what, what I'm really keen though, I want to see more. The length of their clubs. I reckon a lot of amateurs would learn a hell of a lot when they see how long some of the pros drivers are. Mm -hmm. Because the ones you get off the shelf these days, some of them are 46 inches long. Too long. They're just crazy, crazy crazy long. I was a 44 and a half man. Yeah. What were you? When you were oh, going, I was
2: the same, 44, something like that 44, yeah.
0: 44. see yep. 44 Jack Nicholas back in the old days His driver was 43 Yeah, exactly So you're, so, you so know, that's going back to like 1970s mm. and 1980s I think he had 43 and a half when he won at Augusta In 1986 Wow, okay So Really short shafts. Mm. Yeah. Well,
2: compared to now. That compared was standard back then. Compared to now, there. that's yeah.
0: right. But you see people like uh, Sergio Garcia. Sergio Garcia is a
2: 44-inch man. Mm. You see someone like it's Ernie Els. one of the best ball, you know, drivers of the golf ball. That's the shorter right. the shaft, I mean, you've got to find that balance between as long as possible, yet you can still hit it straight that's and right. as far as you can. Obviously, the longer it is, the further you're going to hit it, but will it send it off the planet is the next question. Yeah.
0: Can I tell you a little story about this? Because this, this is where I learnt this. When I turned pro, I was using the Persimmon Club back in 1990 uh, and one of the first set of clubs I had was Mizuno. i got some Mizuno mm. irons and they gave me this Mizuno 3-wood. Okay. It had a graphite shaft. It was the first time I'd ever had a 3-wood <laughs> with a graphite shaft and I'm telling you this thing went too far. It just went It went too far. So what I did is I put a steel shaft in it. Okay. At the same length. Mm -hmm. Because I thought the shaft was hot. Yep. But went just as far. (laughs) It was just crazy. It was like I had two drivers in the bag. And that's the last thing you want. You want the three wood to be in between at the time I had a driver. I want the three wood to be right in between my driver and my two iron. Mm. So with the steel club, I started, I hacked half an inch off. I thought that would do a big thing. And there was this little screw at the bottom where you could put uh, lead powder in. Right. So I'd cut half an inch off. Put the lead powder in, get it back up to D3. It still went too far. <laughs> so then I took another half. And this an is inch. an issue for you. It's this going is, too the, far. What, well, the three wood. I didn't want to change my driver. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to change my driver. In the
2: end. Just get a five wood or a four wood.
0: The, see, this is the. In the end, this three wood was an inch and a half shorter than I originally got it, and it was still really going too far. Oh, wow. But it, it showed me that. I love this thing. Like, I, I ended up <laughs> caving the face of oh, this really? thing in. I had it in my bag for so long. But because now the shaft was so short, mm. I never missed the center of the club. And because I never missed the centre of the club, I became so confident with this crazy short three-wood that it became my fairway finder. You know, on the par fives, it was just that shot. you know, I could Mm. really rely on it. And this is the whole principle of the short driver. This is what you're talking about. This is what I always did. This is what Sergio Garcia does. You hear it every once in a while. But getting back to the what's in the bag, Mm. I wish they showed amateur players, how long the drivers are right. of the best players in the world because yes. I don't think there's too many of them no. using 45 inches plus.
2: Certainly not 45 and a half plus. I don't think so either, no. I mean, if they want to hit the fairways, they, they certainly aren't, that's yeah. for sure. So if you and to... that's a great tip for the listener out there is is make sure your driver is not too long because right. that will send it sideways. That
0: is right. And mm. when you're getting fitted, don't be scared to ask – can you get the swing weight back up if I take this 45 and a half inch driver or this 46 inch long driver, mm. if I cut it back an inch and a half, can you put the swing weight back to D2 or D three mm. minimum with a, with a graphite shafted driver? Because otherwise it'll feel like a toy to
2: you. I'll tell you what, I, I did my traineeship back in the day and I still don't know much about swing weights. <laughs> it's got me so totally confused. <laughs> I get lie angles and you know lofts and all that. The other thing again with lofts yeah. these days is the modern seven iron mm-hmm. is like the loft of what we used to have in the to the right. six iron, five that's iron right. even. That's right. So that's why they hit the iron so far as well.
0: I played pin clubs for a little while mm-hmm. and when I got my pin clubs they said would you like them pro lofted? Ah. And I thought to myself well yeah I'm a pro. Yeah why not? I'll give them, well, that's, what? What's the difference? And they said well your pitching wedge goes from 50 to 48 mm-hmm. okay. and then two degrees off every single club. So mm. A 48-degree pitching wedge. This is as weak as water.
2: Yeah, now it is. It's yeah. absolutely
0: weak. Yep. Jason Day, there for a little while, was using a pitching wedge that was 43 degrees. Wow. Now
2: there you go.
0: I think Tiger's got a 49-degree pitching wedge, mm-hmm. uh, a 45-degree nine iron, and something like a 45-degree 40, nine iron. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Weak. And a 41 degree 8 iron, something like that. So Jason Day's was only 2 degrees off. Jason Day's pitching wedge was 2 degrees
2: off Tiger's 8 iron. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it it really doesn't matter what number you put on the bottom of the club. I mean, I always say to people, if you want to hit a 7 iron further, use a 6 iron. Now, it it, it doesn't really matter what the loft of, uh, well, sorry, what the number says on on the iron. It's just how far you hit each club, basically, Mm. and then work from there. It gets very distorted what you see on the TV with all this, you know, carry. Distance and that as far as far as these players do hit the ball, but anyway, I'll tell you who was hoping they had a less lofted, yeah. sorry, a weaker club was uh, Nacho Elvira in the uh, what's the tournament called again? It's who? A tu- Nacho, Ma- Nacho Elvira. How's that for a name? Good name. That is a good yeah. name. Made in Himalayan on the in Denmark on the DP World Tour. had yeah. a one-shot lead playing the last and went half a club too long over the back. Ball was over the back. Oh, uh, just he if he went in the bunker, he would have been fine. Yeah. Unfortunately, he got hung in the grass, and he, and he played this shot. He was one shot ahead of Rasmus Hoygaard, one of the Danish yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, everyone's going for Hoygaard being yeah. in this tournament in Denmark. He's a Denmark. gun. He a, he's him and his a brother. A gun, They're both yeah. guns. But Alvaro had to get up and down for the win, and he's playing a shot where it was kind of like um, he thought it was going to come out soft. Yeah. but it didn't. But he was up against the collar, and I actually want you to do your masterclass on this a little bit later, how I, I actually think he should have belly wedged it. Now, if you watch the US Women's Open, a lot of the women were belly wedging from yeah. that little sticky rough. Yeah. And this, to me, where Elvira – Elvira or Elvira, sorry, I'm not sure if I got the pronunciation correct. but uh, Just he, call him Nacho. Nacho, the, yeah. <laughs> with cheese. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if he could have belly wedged that one, I reckon he might have had a much better chance. So, anyway, he uh, – Ended up making bogey, lost in a six hole playoff. Yeah. Six hole playoff, six hole, and in the playoff, the final hole, he hit it, drove it in the rough. One of the toughest finishing holes. They kept playing yeah. eighteen, by the way. He airmailed the green, the grandstand, everything. Ob one Kenobi hit it, Ob, Are and uh, lost the playoff. So fascinating finish. But I, the only reason I bring that up is because of the. I wish that he had a, le- a weaker lofted iron.
0: Well, I'm glad you told me to do that masterclass. No mm. one's ever told me to do a masterclass before, Belly but I, I didn't know <laughs> which one to do. So that is an absolute guarantee. I, I'm going to get that done. Hey. I'm fascinated, a little bit later, like I said, we're doing this podcast from Kingston Heath. We're going to get the manager on on the back nine Mm. uh, of this podcast. Have you got any idea which way they're going to play this golf course as far as the routing? I mean, I I really want Andrew to try and explain this to us in a way that we can understand Mm. because I've always understood that at the President's Cups and the Ryder Cups, that match play Yes Basically normally which, finishes on 15 mm, or 16 Correct So you don't want the 18th to be the 18th yep. If you want everybody near the clubhouse Or near the, mm. the village Or you know near wherever
2: Yeah Or if you get pummeled by Stuart Sink or Davis Love I don't know who that person was <laughs> You tend to finish on the 13th or the 14th <laughs> That's a lonely
0: walk through the crowd With, oh, the, it's horrible, with your yeah.
2: head down That's a walk yeah. of shame I did play well though they just played better, so anyway. Uh, um, but no, you're right. I think the routing. Uh, hang on a second, go back to that. Did you win or they? No, win? no, the, no. They pummeled me. No, uh, I was. I okay. shot three under both times, and I got beaten five and four and six and five. Are you joking? No, they played some great golf. So, but that's match play. That's Presidents Cup. It happens that way.
0: Can you give us a little bit mm. of a recollection of your Presidents Cup. Memories. Oh,
2: my mem- Well, I think I've told the story before the most nervous I've ever been on yeah. the first tee. We, we know that one, standing in front of pres- Presidents and Jack Nicholas. I, I I do remember one time, again, I might have told this story, Peter Lonard and I are playing Davis Love, the no, third, told this. This and good. Kenny Perry right. in uh, best ball. Right. Okay, So you play your own ball, best score. Yep. Pretty tight in the match early on in the back nine. Uh, Pete's out of the hole. Davis and Kenny are about six and eight feet away. I'm about 15 feet away. So I basically, I've got to make this yeah. to have any chance of halving the hole. Roll the putt in. And Gosh. the whole crowd in Washington, D.C. Sons. goes, Oh. <laughs> and there's <laughs> the one guy, the crowd. one guy on the side, lonely clap. Guess who it was? Jack necklace. Oh, you're kidding no, me? All class, Jack. The greatest of all time. No, it was brilliant. One man clapping. Davis and Kenny both missed their putts. Hey. Yes. Peter Lonard and I went on to win. It was a great day. Was Jack still <laughs> clapping after
0: they missed no, he their putts? No, probably wasn't about that.
2: <laughs> but it was very classy of him to, to do that.
0: Hey, interesting set too. We're talking about Ellison Corpus before. Mm. First woman to win the first US Open at Pebble Beach. Yes. Who was the first man? to win a U.S.
2: Open at Pebble Beach. Ooh, I'm going to say Jack Nicklaus, 1970. That's right. So Is that she, right? Yeah, that's uh, okay. something
0: like that. No, even earlier. I, I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. Okay, but we'll look it up. The very first time they played a men's U.S. Open at Pebble mm. Beach, Jack Nicklaus Jack won. So Nicholas. And Allison he won it in
2: 82 as well. You know yeah, it was 82?
0: Uh, that's the Watson chip-in on chip chip in. 17. Yes,
2: yes. Oh, I think there's been some great drama. Five greatest ever shots at the US
0: Open correct. is that right or majors correct well I think it's time for a sausage roll and a drink
2: well we're in uh, you know the Kingston Heath Club no. what do you think we serve here well we have not, a member. No, no, not sausage rolls
0: no 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 sorry in fact they've banned sausage rolls Real wrap joint. or something oh. I think uh, probably a prawn um, uh, what do you call them uh, cocktail or? no not a prawn cocktail <laughs> 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 prawn dumplings I'll, I'll see if I can organise them I like it
1: what's wrong with a prawn cocktail <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare.
2: That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Like the podcast? Oh, maybe tell a friend. Drop them a text or share it on your socials. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen.
0: Hey, did you look up? In that break we just had, mm-hmm. where
2: Jack Nicholas actually did win his first, what year was it? It was not 1970, it was 1972. Right, who'd he beat? And he beat Bruce Crampton by three shots. Brucey. Our own Aussie. So they must, they must have gone every 10 years. So it was 72, 82, and I think 92 was Tom Kite, right?
1: That that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: And then after that, I'm not exactly sure. But anyway, actually, no, it was 2000 because Tiger, so it wasn't every 10 years. Okay,
0: that's good. I'm glad Bruce had a bit of Mm. success there. Shame he came second a few times, I reckon. Bruce in majors, he did. Um, We didn't mention Live at the top, and we should have. We
2: should have because it
0: always seems to get the back nine, uh, the Live Golf, for one reason or another.
2: But we had an Australian win. Cameron Smith. It's so not bad. He did. And and the Rippers did okay. Uh, well, I tell you, Cam, I don't know if you followed <laughs> it or saw it. I, I watched a little bit of it. I caught up with it I didn't see yesterday. Of and bittersweet because Cam Smith had a six-foot putt on the last, mm. two putts for the win, the individual win, yeah. which he did. Yeah. If he holds it, then all of a sudden we get a world first for Liv. A team, the team event goes into a playoff. Oh, that hasn't happened before at Liv. It hasn't not happened. Are so, you kidding Leishman... Jones and Morgan and Smith, you know, Team Ripper. Yeah. They were going well and uh, coming down the final hole, if Leishman and Smith both birdie, Rip Team Ripper wins. Leishman birdied and Smith unfortunately bogeyed. So oh, which you're is kidding. Pretty, I mean, he missed a six-footer, which for him is very rare. Rare. Because – I watched some other highlights, and i tell you what, he put on a putting clinic. Jeez, Dad, Dad Morgan
0: would be spewing. <laughs> <because>. <laughs> well, he,
2: well, he finally contributed. He shot a 69. He hadn't contributed all tournament See, for three rounds. If I'm the boss of leave... Hmm.
0: If there is a team playoff, I think the opposite team should be able to pick which player they want (laughs) in the playoff. Just to add a little bit of. I don't think it's a one on one. I
2: actually think it's a two on two, maybe, the team playoff. Well, foursome sort of. Yeah, I believe so. Alternate shot? I haven't looked into it. I should look into it. Well, that's even better. Mm. Let's say they get the pick. Alternate shot would be fantastic. Alternate shot.
0: Is a must in that the would playoff. Be They'd yeah. be a
2: little bit creative with that. But the four aces ended up beating them by a shot. Four aces being DJ. Uh, who else is on there? Patrick Reed yeah. and those guys. Anyway, Patty uh, uh, a good last actually, break. Bruce. Uh, sorry, not Bruce. Brooks Kepka earlier in the week blasted yeah. his fellow team Matt, Matt Wolf yeah. for uh, not pulling saw, his weight and quitting I, on the team. I saw where Matt Wolf finished this week as well. <laughs> Dead last. Dead last. Yeah, not, not going great. well. I think he has a, bit, a few mental issues uh, as far as mental health issues go, yeah. Matt Wolf. So he's working through those. But it's not great when your team captain sort of pulls you out like that. But uh, anyway, it was a good result for the Aussies. By the way, forgot uh, some of the other Aussie results. So the John Deere, Aaron Badley tied for 31st. Debra. Jeff Ogilvy, good to see him make the yeah. cut over there. Good on him. Tied for 42nd. Harrison Endicott, another cut made well back in the field, tied 66th. And on the DP World Tour, which uh, Rasmus Hoygaard won, David Michaluzzi shot a third round 62 Ooh. and was right up there for a that's little while. That's the um, we know. Yes. Finished tied for 17th. So banked a nice okay. 50,000 50, euros. So that's he's really cruising. good. Mm. He's cruising. So. Fully yeah. exempt next year, by the way. Already? No, because so of I, the oh, right, PJ Tour of Australasia. Year. Yes. He's on invites there at the moment. Oh, so. Fantastic. That's very very good. By the way, before we finish on leave, which I forgot earlier, uh, Randall Stevenson. There was this. This was in the news yesterday. Uh, who's a longtime CEO of AT and T, one of the biggest, yeah. obviously, contributors on the PGA Tour. He resigned from the PGA Tour policy board. He's been on it for about ten or eleven years. Okay, all part of this PIF deal. He's a bit concerned over the framework. And in his quote was not one. Uh, let's see, it's not one that I can objectively evaluate or in good conscious support in light of US intelligence report concerning Jamal Khashoggi in 2018, so he has resigned from the tour policy board, now that's a big deal yeah. because they're the people that need to get this over the line now, yeah. that this probably works in favour of the PIF because uh, it sounds as though they're getting the people mm. that aren't going to vote for it off the board <laughs> in yeah. a way, uh, Jay Monaghan's back too from his illness or whatever illness mm. he did have he's coming back as commissioner
0: Okay, if you're not sure who Khashoggi is, that was the journalist who was, well, we've never seen him again. Mm. It's pretty simple. He was executed. We've never seen him again. As promised, uh, while we're here at Kingston Heath Golf Club, let's talk to the general manager, Andrew Taylor who has uh, just come back from the Furrows Golf Club, uh, coincidentally. good day, Andrew. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thanks Next. for setting us up here in the library here at Kingston Earth. It's fantastic. Uh, he, you that gonna, was a, you pseudo
3: a nice studio, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. It's a little bit different to how we normally uh, roll in the library here, but I, I like it. we might multi-purpose. Yeah. I'll Good. tell you,
2: there's a lot of history in this room. I've been reading the club champions from back in 1925 it started. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah.
0: Well, first of all, uh, Royal Melbourne, Peninsula Kingswood and Kingston Heath, they were all bidding for the 2028 President's Cup and Kingston Heath finished up on top. Uh, congratulations, Ted. How did you find that process? Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a remarkable journey. It's
3: been uh, probably a year and a half in the making, so oh, I guess for us, the first part was actually getting ourselves into a position where we could actually tender for the, for the event, so that probably started back in April, uh, March, April last year, and then uh, went through a pretty comprehensive process working with the PGA Tour, so uh, they sent out a team back in June, which was kind of a like a tournament hosting inside the ropes team to, you know, identify if the courses were acceptable and, and, and whatnot and capable of hosting an event. And then they said another group, which was in July, which was all about is the venue capable of hosting it and able to uh, take all the other infrastructure
0: requirements. Is that because the footprint is so small here compared to the other 36 whole venues?
3: Uh, they, they inspected every venue, but, I mean, that was definitely our, our challenge. Our challenge was, you know, how are we going to... How are we going to accommodate the requirement to this event? Um, it's not—it's not the typical 18-hole stroke play event. It's—you uh, yeah, know—has it much more infrastructure requirements. Uh, the build will start a lot further in advance. A lot more corporate hospitality, uh, and obviously, it's a really different type of event because it's 12 on 12 and not many golf balls out on the course. So how do you stretch out the fans? How do you create some elasticity in the golf course? Uh, You make sure that the fans aren't standing on top of each other when you've got the foursomes and the four ball and whatnot. So that was was a really really interesting part of the process and how we presented to them. Uh, But to your point, yeah, we've got a small footprint. So we had to come up with some really unique ideas on how to secure space and, and, and utilise the space that we do have to make sure that we can actually accommodate what they need. Yeah,
2: an impressive uh, impressive get there, Andrew, to uh, overcome the other two big venues, as you say. But uh, one question I guess I've got is the layout. I mean, the traditional layout, well, it has varied. Obviously, we had the Australian Open, the men and the women where you changed that around again with that first tee being, what, did the, what was that, Mark? First was seventh. First was seventh. And yeah, there once upon a time when Curry Webb won an Australian mm. Open
0: here, the 18th was the sixth. Oh, so wow. there's had quite a few different uh, turnarounds.
2: Variations, yeah. So, And in match play, it's kind of an unusual thing where a lot of matches tend to finish on 15, 16, so getting that energy near the clubhouse, uh, is there any thoughts on what the routing will look like? Will it look like what we have seen at the past Australian Open or just more the traditional?
3: Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating question. I, mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm almost certain the composite course has changed over time as well mm. for, uh, for their events, and they've got so much flexibility in what they could do. It's amazing how many different routings we can do here. So we have 19 holes. Uh, we we provided 10 different course combinations in advance of how we thought we could Ten. set up. The, 10. Wow. Wow. And uh, you yeah, could we get got, a couple
2: of the uh, furrows holes in there as I well. Don't I don't know we. if it <laughs> quite worked for this group. <laughs>
3: But uh, yeah, what was really interesting about our course is because there's a couple of interesting junction points kind of around that 19 green, 12th tee, uh, second tee area, but also where the 10th hole is, for those that know Kingston Heath, it sits right in the middle of the course. Typically, that hole comes out of play for most events. I
2: love that hole too. It's one Great of my favourites. Yeah.
3: But it's a tight junction point it and it's a little bit awkward there, especially when you go back tee on four and eight. So uh, we we came up with a lot of different routings and, and one of the most far out routings actually included the 12th hole coming out of play um wow. so to to give you a little bit of concept as to why um we we looked at one option where we took a par five out on the other side of the golf course purely just to give space mm. where we could build up some different type of fan village and and fan uh fan experience zones uh, but yeah we, we can't with 10 combinations so I'm, I'm happy to share with you an unconfirmed routing if you like you Please do. You're, you're, Absolutely. You, 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 you think you can follow it? Okay. <laughs> hang, so, hang on a
0: second. But one of the reasons this is interesting is because most match play uh, matches will finish around 15 or 16, won't they? Yeah. So you kind of want 15 and 16 somewhere close. Well, you, you certainly want it where you can build infrastructure.
3: Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be close, but you've got to be able to have the space in that area to be able to build. So uh, for those that know Kingston Heath, uh, I'll, start, I'll start on Kingston Heath number hole. So i start on seven. Hole seven okay. is... Uh, Typically the first in, in, in a lot of the sort of normal stroke play events. So you start seven, then you go to the fourth, then you go to the fifth, twelfth, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, then we go to nine. Wow. Then we head from nine over to eleven. So tens out of play. Play eleven, head over to two, mm-hmm. three, eight. God.
2: This is
1: impressive. It is you can remember all this, by the 17, way. 17,
0: <laughs> yeah. 18. Yeah, and so one, 18 is actually about the 16th hole, is it? Or the 15th, 15th. hole? Yep, 15th. Yeah, 1. 1.
3: 19. 19.
0: 6. six. six
3: yeah. So 6 will actually be the
0: 18th hole again. Right, so you'll have 17. Hang on, there's 18, 16, 15. So 17 will be 14. 18 will be 15. 1, 16. Yeah, so all the holes are close to the clubhouse. Yeah. It's very, very good Mm, where most of those matches are going to finish. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. So uh,
3: a lot of our routings uh, ended up with a similar style in the finish being holes 18, 1 and 6 were somewhere in the mix around the finish. Uh, but it was all the combination of holes that we did, sort of one to fourteen, which was most interesting.
2: Fantastic! That's uh, a lot of thought has gone into that. Yeah, obviously, it is incredible. Can't wait to see it. But um,
0: apologies to those who have no clue of <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, you will look it up <laughs> online, it goes, and, uh, yeah. and and you'll get a good gist of it. Well, that's on that, the Presidents
3: Cup website, they've got it in the traditional order. Ah, so if right. you take if you take those holes. Uh, you'll be able to sort of get a bit of a feel for what the flow Mm. of the event potentially is.
2: Okay. So we're what, 2023, we're 2028, so five years away. Workload-wise, what does that mean for you and the club? I mean, uh, there's obviously a lot's going to go into this.
3: Yeah, uh, it's been a pretty heavy workload over the past year, uh, but from now, uh, certainly for the next year or or so, we expect it to drop off a little bit. Uh, There's a few little things that we have to do, uh, but we're looking forward to visiting uh, someone from the President's Cup team uh, will be moving mm. to Australia and living locally uh, from 2025. 2025. Wow. Yeah, so four, four years in advance. Yep. Mm. Uh, and at that point, that's when we'll really start to ramp up around uh, the the sort of the plannings for the uh, the overall logistics of the event. And, and obviously, it requires, requires really unique things, uh, you know, traffic management plans, site plans, evacuation plans, uh, the, the infrastructure, the build. Uh, everything associated with uh, ticketing and sales and corporate sales and so it, it's a it's a different type of scale event.
0: And uh, you've just come from the furrows uh, a lot of people are talking about it and for those who do done it know there's a little bit of land next to the 12th hole here at Kingston Heath about the same size as the 12th hole and they've turned it into a magnificent little nine holer about the longest hole is 125 meters tell us about the success of the new nine holer the furrows.
3: Yeah, it's really exciting. It's uh, it, it's only only sort of two two and a half months or so since we officially opened. Uh, really, really fun short form golf. Uh, you can probably get around an hour, hour fifteen. Uh, you can play in up to groups of six. Uh, it's sort of not not, not that traditional. It's quite social by nature. Uh, pure distinction greens. The greens are fantastic. Very bouncy, even still in the depth of winter, and uh, and running beautifully. A little bit more uh a little bit more slope on the green so there's a little bit more interest and flexibility and variety in what you can do out there and have mm. a bit more fun uh and it promotes a range of different shots so some some holes you know downwind you, you can't land on the green you have to land short and it it challenges you to play a different type of shot that you would ne- necessarily play on the on the championship course so it's been really really good fun watching the members play and guests has been probably the highlight for me uh, and particularly engagement from a lot of our members that might not otherwise get to the club a lot uh yeah, we've, we've set it up to really bring your kids down or grow the game so whether it's uh, women in golf, kids in golf, sort of towards the end of your time and the, and the championship course getting a bit hard, watching watching some of those players take to it is, has been really,
0: really good fun.
2: Mm. Yeah, Mark and I, we actually had a hit out there a little while ago, played the nine and absolutely. Nick, Nick the first five holes. Uh, no, so no like... I did not. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Maybe Nico who did but uh, <laughs> not, not Nick O'Hearn. uh One thing I really liked about it was there might only be one or two holes where you actually have to carry it you know if you wanted to play it along the ground most of the way you can yeah. and that's a really good uh, idea i think for these short courses so congratulations yeah hey
0: andrew thanks for your time mate we really appreciate it and good luck with the president's cup in 2028
2: thanks so much mm. really
0: appreciate time righto feedback
1: time Dan, what have you got for us? Uh, well, we've got a few bits this week. Um, here we go. Now, this is from your new segment, Mark, that you created a couple of weeks ago. What was that? Uh, the brag one. Oh, people you know say good things about what they've done. Mm. Got a message here from Peter Coulson. I've been playing golf for just 12 months. I'm 51 years old. I got my first eagle today. Whole out third shot from eighty-one meters out in competition. Still only thirty-five point. Uh, still only thirty-five points in Stableford. Sensational!
0: How no, that. They're nice little little just marks you along the way to yeah, playing your first fantastic hole golf. It's always great. It is. It is a good feeling.
1: Got a, uh, a tweet from Tim McCullum here. Yes, uh, this is for you, Nick. Actually, okay. this is in your in response to your comment about uh, Bernard Langer last week, where you said you, you, you revealed your nickname for Bernard, which oh, was
2: which was BMW. Uh, was it sheer driving pleasure? Because that's their slogan, but I, th- I think I might have said something else. The
1: ultimate driving machine. Oh, no, it was uh, German Ge- engineering. That's German right. engineering yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Something like uh, that. So Tim said, German precision, love it, but why BMW and not the Merck?
2: Oh, okay. Mm. The Merck. Well, that's a good one, but I, I I prefer
1: BMW.
0: He's got the Mercedes on his sleeve, hasn't he? Linger. I think he does. Oh, he, he does he? Yeah. Okay. Yep.
1: Yeah got a question for you guys here from Marcus O'Callaghan. It's a a long question, so bear with me. Guys, loving the show. I listen to a few US Gold podcasts and generally hear a lot of low handicaps. It seems like their handicapping system is somewhat subjective. They play any kind of social round, and the card from that round can be submitted. They even include cards where there are gimmies. Is this right? Can you please explain the differences? Have you noticed a difference in pro-ams or just generally between US and Aussie amateurs? I'm guessing an Aussie-Euro scratch marker would be at a different level to US amateurs. Feel free to pile into the US if you want to.
0: I can confirm that they do count gimmies. It is exactly the same handicapping system as we have here. They're trying to have the same handicapping system right around the world. The
2: world handicapping,
0: yeah. Which makes sense. Mm. I mean, if we're all playing the same game uh, Mm -hmm. and there is slope, uh, and the slope is uh, uh, a way of measuring the difficulty of a golf club. So every golf course, they come down and they get their slope reading rating. But yes, the Americans they're prone to giving four- and five-footers and, and sometimes ten-footers yeah. uh, if you're in the right mood. <laughs> if, if, like for instance, somebody might have had an eagle on a hole. You'd have a ten-footer and they just walk to the next tee mm. and they'll just give you the
2: ten-footer. Mm. What are your thoughts on the gimmies in any you know, social yeah. game? Look, we're not putting a yeah. comp card in. Fine.
0: My, my thoughts on the gimme is
2: it's I'll tell a you mine.
0: wonderful Social part of yes. golf, mm-hmm. I absolutely love it, but there has to be a conscience in there somewhere. <laughs> so, for instance, in my view only, and I'll be howled down here. Okay, but if everyone's giving putts that are unmissable, yep. So six inches to a foot, sure to a foot and a half. To if you're having twenty-eight points on the day, to three feet. Okay, all right. If you're having a shocking score, <laughs> three feet. But if you do that, the rounds will quicken by 20 minutes,
4: Mm.
0: by 20 minutes comfortably. If you are in a group where they play gimmies, and let's face it, there are some golf clubs that do. It's as simple as that. Then if you don't play gimmies, your handicap might be 10. But if you do play gimmies, your handicap will be eight. (laughs) So I think the gimmies take care of themselves because of the handicap. Okay. So – in my view, in my view only, I'm sure if there are a group of people at your golf club who are counting gimmies mm-hmm. in the score, don't worry about them. Okay, cuz their handicap will come down.
2: And that'll sort themselves and out the, a bit the later. The handicap you think. will sort it all out. Okay, yeah. That's just my view. And yeah, I'm, I'm preparing myself yeah. for some feedback <laughs> <laughs> next week. Can, you know what? Whenever someone asks me for a gimme, they yeah. go, "Is that good?" And I say, "Well, if it's that easy, just knock it in." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love the social of club. So do I. Yeah. Uh, the the social is that right? Come on, you know, it's it's yeah. it's what golf is. Yeah, you good. almost
2: need to pre-establish a rule of like if someone has a putter and if it's say the steel. Where the steel yeah. meets the grip is two feet. Yeah. If it's within the steel, fine. Yeah. rule. because all of a sudden two feet becomes three feet becomes four feet and then away it goes. Well,
0: here's the thing: there are some two footers at a course like yes. Kingston Heath or Royal Melbourne or Lake up or you
2: had to practice two footers. Remember that New South Wales?
0: <laughs> That's right. I had the heebie-jeebies with them. <laughs> so there, there are there are two footers and then there are two footers, but you've got to still protect the field.
2: Yeah. To a certain play. degree. Sure.
0: But I wouldn't go crook at people who are gimme groups. Okay. Just let them, let them go. Their handicap will sort themselves out.
1: Yeah, cracking question from Marcus. And he's also finished this up by saying, by the way, guys, sometime in about 91, I saw Peter Thompson drive the green at the first at Sorrento with a metal driver with a gold graphite shaft.
0: It wow. would have been the old Taylor made, wouldn't it? I reckon the first. Tailor made club that I saw Robert Ellenby using when he was an amateur, came second at the Australian Open that with the it. it. Was the burner mm. with the gold shaft. Wow. So I wouldn't be surprised
1: if Tom I was flicking one of those around. Another question for you guys. This one's from Brett. Brett's on the phone.
0: And I reckon Brett's a member at the Rosebud Country Club. Good Brett. Good Mark. How you going? Good. Mate, mate I am very, very well. And Nick's here as well. Hey Nick.
2: Hey Brett. Uh, thanks for uh Giving us a question today, far away. What is it?
4: So shout out to Terry. Uh, he's an awesome coach. I'll get that in quick. Otherwise, you will kill me next time I see Terry Pilkadaris. Yes, yes. Based out of Kingsborough, he's he's an awesome coach. Measures you, fits you. He's fantastic. Couldn't get, wouldn't want to see anyone else really. Oh,
2: that's a good start. That is, and he's a West Australian too. So he's a West Australian, and he was <laughs> a no, he's a, a tough time. and a very good player. <laughs> he was there. a
0: very, very, very good player. He was actually a poster boy of the Asian tour there. Uh, when he was winning. So Ernie Els would be paid to come and play on the Asian circuit mm-hmm. and Ernie Els would end up playing with Terry, Terry Pulkadaris because he was one of the stars on the Asian tour there for a while.
2: Beautiful.
4: I think he was telling me he's three-time winner on the Asian tour. Sometimes he rubs it in, sometimes he doesn't, but yeah, he was it was good. He was teamed up with Cam Smith on the third day at the uh, Vic Open, I think it was, at the Victoria Golf Club a few months ago. So that was, that was pretty good. With the lessons from Terry that we learn, all that sort of stuff, um, how do you – and this is advice from both of you, how do you sort of implement those learnings from the lesson consciously and consistently when practicing on the range or even at the club, etc., before you're around? Because obviously it's a habit you're trying to break, but when Terry's not looking, you kind of want to make the change to, to see what's happening effectively?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think a lot of people go through those struggles when they do get a lesson when they go to the range without their coach, they go, well, hang on, am I doing it right? Am I not? Et cetera, et cetera. So I always find the best way when you're doing those things is you you have one or two things that you're working on and whatever they are, when you're working on technique on the driving range, uh, Brett, what you want to do is you want to over-exaggerate things, like really Mm. take it to the extreme so that, for instance, if you lay the club off or whatever, so you want to get it more across or on plane, well, then you should feel as though you're getting it way across the line or something like that. Or if you're making a grip grip change, really over-exaggerate it and work on that for you know, maybe 20 or 30 balls and then just go back to normal, hit a few balls normally and then go back to over-exaggerating it and so on. And so so you sort of go back and forth and after a while when you start over-exaggerating things, it'll bleed its way into your natural game. And when you go out and play on the golf course and take it on the course, that's when you just forget about it, play your natural mm. game. Only work on those things on the range. If you're trying to implement swing changes on the golf course, that's a really tough thing to do. But that's what the short game's for. You just chip and putt better, right, Mark? Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. <laughs> And, Brett, uh, I reckon Tiger Woods always says uh, feel and real are usually two totally different things. And what you'll see the best players in the world do is that they will exaggerate these uh, feels, and you see a lot of them do it in their Mm pre-shot. You can see them rehearsing what they're trying to do, and what they're trying to do looks nothing like what they're actually doing. But I promise you, they are actually feeling Mm. what they are rehearsing. Uh, And one other thing I reckon you can do, it helps me a lot, um, get your iPhone out and stick it and just make sure you're not going crazy with it because I promise you this, if you do what Nick says and exaggerate, when you see it yourself on video and you go, wow, that looks nothing like it should feel, um, then then you, you actually, it gets in your head and away you go. You, you, you'll, you'll get some confidence from seeing your exaggerated feel to a very
4: normal look. Understood, understood. Similar to what Ricky Fowler does, I know, with his pre-shot as well. Yeah. He does yeah. the take things like that as well. But yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the advice. I'll take it on board and implement straight away.
0: Good on you, Brett. Good luck with that 12.3 handicap. Hopefully you're down to single figures soon. Thanks, Brett.
4: By the end of next year, we'll have to be at five. So, see you Oh,
0: good. Beautiful. Let us know if you do. Well, thanks, guys. That's a uh, future top five, you know, for us. Crazy rehearsals that look nothing like what they're actually doing when oh, they're yeah. swinging the club. I'll, I'll work on that for next week.
2: I'm just going to give you one, just, just on? a teaser. Yeah. Alex Norrin.
0: Oh, <laughs> Alex Norrin.
2: <laughs> that's a beauty. My God. Yeah.
0: I'll give you another The first time I ever saw it, Corey Pape, he gets a bit of a run, Corey Pape, he on does.
2: this podcast. A bit like uh, Steve Stricker. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: um, Corey Pavin, when he was exaggerating the over-the-top, he would make these huge two-foot mm. over-the-top moves. It looked like he was trying to swing like Craig Perry used to swing. Yeah. Or Bruce Lesky used to swing. Yeah. You go, what the hell is he doing this in his, in his, in his uh, rehearsal for, or his practice swing? And then you get over the ball and it would go straight up and straight down and you go, What well, looks nothing like <laughs> it. But he was just trying to exaggerate a feel.
2: Feel and reality, as you say.
0: It's time for our top five.
2: Okay, Mark, top five this week. Uh, we're going to do something. Now, was this, uh, Dan, was this asked a while ago, someone said, for this top five masterclass? Uh, well, it depends <laughs> which one you do. Man. Okay, well, I'm doing the top five voices in golf. Oh, yeah, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. commentators. So, well,
1: that was asked sometime. That ago. That was by, asked a while uh, ago. By somebody, yes.
2: And at number five, someone who I, I love listening to and we listen to her a lot on the PGA Tour, uh, Dottie Pepper. Owns it. Just incredible. Owns on-course commentary. Yes, on-course she is the best, best. I think. If you've been here, you go, oh, these greens are so big. But in fact, they're very, very small. They make you be very, very precise. Much more difficult when the wind is in your face off an uphill lie like you'll have at the first.
0: She was a good player. No, she
2: was, wasn't she? Great name for golf too, (laughs) Dotty Pepper. Love it. Great name. Yes, for sure. Okay, number four. Tell me if you've heard this before. Better than most. Oh. Better than most. Who is it? Is it Coke? David? Who is it? <laughs> Gary Coke. Gary Coke. Yeah, that I was, was going to call him David Coke. Gary <laughs> 17th Coke. 17th at Sawgrass, Tiger Woods, that putt uh, going down there. But Gary's just had a heck of a career in the commentary. Um, you know, just one of those voices where as soon as you hear it, you know. Let's have a listen.
4: Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most.
2: Oh, he's just the best, isn't Crazy he? Crazy putt. Yeah. That was and, the most ridiculous putt. Yeah. And another one, well, again, from one of my favourite putts, 1986 at the Masters, who can forget? Maybe, maybe, yes, sir. Vern <laughs> Lundquist. Vern Lundquist. What, a, That's what it. a voice. I tell you, he has just uh, that voice, that deep resonating. You, yeah. you think there's probably been a lot of whiskey and cigars gone into that voice, <laughs> I think, <laughs> over the years. But uh, he was a Masters icon, and let's have a listen to Just one of the best, isn't he? Goosebumps, um, Goosebumps.
0: T- Jack, with that big <laughs> stupid putter in did the air. That was the worst putter I've ever seen <laughs> that made a major champion use. And it was they, Jack Nicholas. They
2: sold a boatload of those oh, things too, did. as well. They were shocking, weren't they? This is a tough one. The top two, because there are two voices in golf. Where you go, yep. And this is no slight to either of them But I'm going to go number two Is Jim Nance Ooh. Jim Nance. Which is a big call Because yeah. everyone yeah. thinks Jim Nance should be number one He's obviously got the Masters tradition going What's his uh, line It's like a, a tradition unlike any other yeah. And he opened it with Hello Friends He's in the butler cabin yeah. there yeah. And uh, just an iconic voice And that uh, that spiel he did with Tom Weisskopf Back mm. in the 86 Masters When Nicholas was on the 16th tee yeah. That was brilliant as well Because he started out as more of a yeah. More of a camera You know out on the course guy And now he's He's obviously host to uh, many, many uh, events yeah, throughout yeah. the world. Well, we've got to play that. Tom Weisskopf and Jim Nance, mm. 16 at Augusta,
0: 1986.
1: Jack Nicholas knowing he must continue the charge. He has to figure that Ballesteros will make at least birdie back at 15. If anyone has ever owned this hole, it would be Jack Nicholas. When he won his first green jacket back in 1963... He did it with the birdie here at sixteen. And of course, who can forget nineteen seventy-five? The forty-foot putt. Tom Weiskopf, what is going through Jack's mind right now? He has not experienced this kind of a streak in a long time.
3: If I knew the way he thought, I wouldn't have won this tournament. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. He is just going to fire this right at the pin. He's going to think, Jack, this is time
0: right now. Make the swing that you are capable of making. Stay down, accelerate through the ball, make a good golf swing. Your destiny
4: is right here.
1: It's right at it. Oh. Oh, Oh my.
0: How good.
2: Oh, I tell you. That is so good. And that line by Tom Wascoff, one of the best. <laughs> and he
0: hits it at two feet. <laughs> it was <laughs> After incredible. After that wind-up, just incredible. Yeah.
2: But I've got to go, number one, the voice of golf for so many years. You used to wake up and you'd watch the British Open and uh, Peter Alice. Yeah. I mean, just incredible. And some of the stuff he used to say, and he could. he's the best filler of time as yeah. well, filler of, of dead, dead yeah. time. And I, I looked up some of his best quotes, and my favourite is, one good thing about rain in Scotland, most of it ends up as scotch. <laughs> I love that line. But you
0: know, He could sit there in the booth by himself and just muse mm. to himself. And it was like he was talking to you at home. Yeah. yeah. But he was just, he had an amazing way about him to where even in British Opens, there wasn't a team when no. he was calling British Opens. Mm. It was
2: just Pete. They would pan off to people on the beach, yeah. and he'd start talking about yeah. them having a dip. Or there'd be pigeons yeah. somewhere and you know, on some trees. Yeah. He was the best. Let's have a listen.
0: Although he's had a four and two threes on this hole, he's going to be at least three shots ahead. A six will do.
1: Oh, oh, oh you lucky little rascal! And that bounced and seemed to go way to the right.
2: Ah, oh, he's brilliant. So isn't good. He? So good.
0: Righto. It is time now for the masterclass. I'm a champion. Okay, we saw it so often at Pebble Beach last week, and this is a situation where your ball has rolled off the green, and normally over the back. I'd say it mm. rolls over the back. It goes through that tiny little first cut, and then the there's a big chunk of grass right mm-hmm. behind, and the grass is thick enough to where if you're actually using a descending blow to try and chip it, normally there'll be too much grass between the ball and the club. And it just makes it impossible to get any kind of consistency or any idea how far that ball is going to go. Yeah, you're not sure it's going to come out soft oh, or hot, right? You've got no idea. Sometimes you you think it's going to come out soft <laughs> and you come down a little bit well, sharper. that's what
2: Nacho Elvira did.
0: And you jam it out. Uh, but the girls did it beautifully, Nacho Uh, He looked a little bit cheesy to me when he did that on the last. You like that one, then? Yeah, I did. Yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think the best way to do this, um, when you are purposely blading a golf ball around the green, there there are two things. You've got to have your weight forward because I still think, and this is just my opinion, I still think you need the tiniest amount of a descending blow just to get over the the grass that is in front of the ball. Mm-hmm. But two, there is no wrist action. So when I'm employing a small shot with no wrist action, not much wrist action anyway.
2: Are you going to the putting grip? I'm
0: using the putting grip Okay. every day of the week. And I use a pistol grip. And I, I just think it's a much better way to do things. Um, so my weight goes to the left when I'm a right-hander and that makes the, the uh, club descend into the ball. I'm doing this with a putting grip and – The amazing thing is when you are trying to do this, that blade of the sandine just seems to slice through Mm. the grass and you make better connection because there is just one sharp bit of the club that is making contact with the ball and not an entire face of the club making contact with the ball. Mm. Look out for our socials. I'll explain it much better on them. Nick, I'm not sure we'll be coming back to Kingston Heath anytime soon, but thanks to everybody for setting us up here. It has been great.
2: Maybe next week we'll do it from Royal Melbourne. <laughs> <you guys. laughs> Wonderful clubhouse. Thanks for having us.
1: Oh, there it is. That's Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast, Talk Birdie to Me. Now, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll never miss an episode. And if you can share with a friend, well, that'll be awesome too. TalkBirdies his executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. When you make decisions
2: for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.